Patty. Welcome right. back, folks. We'll see you in hell. Here we are. Seeing uh, you. I'm in hell. <laughs> hearing you. I'm, you're hearing us. I'm Joe DeRosa. And I'm Pat Walsh. And this is the podcast where we do horror movie commentaries. It's brought to you by the Fangoria Podcast Network. For more information about that network, including other programs, how to follow our show or other shows, and find episodes of all the shows, uh, go visit Fangoria.com. But enough of that. Here we are. Uh, this is a special Halloween episode where we will be doing Halloween 6. No, no, I'm sorry. 8. 8? Eight? <laughs> Well, I see why you might be confused, Joe, because there's so many of them. We are, I think there's six, then there's H2O, then there's Resurrection, and that's what we're watching tonight. Yes, we're watching Resurrection tonight. Why Resurrection? I'm sure you're wondering. Without question, one of the worst of the <laughs> Halloween films. It's because all the only to two Halloween films on Netflix are this one and uh, six. And six, which is the worst one. Now, I haven't seen six. I thought it would be too odd to be like, yeah, we're just going to watch Halloween six. Resurrection, at least you're getting a fresh start. But I yeah. just watched H2O, and uh, Michael Myers' head was cut off with an axe. Well, they explain so, what happened here. I mean, <laughs> is it like they attach him to electrodes? Now, I know I saw this uh, in high school. I don't remember anything about it. When I watched H2O, I did remember that. I remembered LL Cool J's masterful performance. I... <laughs> As a guy writing uh, erotic <laughs> fiction <laughs> until uh, he gets shot in the head, and then he's like, hey, I'm back. He does come back at the end. He gets shot repeatedly by uh, Adam Arkin, and then he's like, ah, I'm all right. <laughs> kind of crazy. Yeah, and then I think there's like a there's like a, a comedic beat on the way out with him and the wife. Oh, he yeah. Like yeah. On a he's stretcher? like, now I'm going to write an erotic thriller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like totally f fine yeah and then then as he walks off you hear a very adr line he goes uh adr and in the biz means you looped it in after the fact well to uh, say what looping means looping means you're you're they do it in comedies too like if everyone anyone has their back to the camera you can add jokes for them like like awkwardly loop in dialogue to get extra laughs and it's always very obvious it's like a completely different yeah or you'll see their lips frantically moving and then they'll say like three words or whatever. yeah but Hello uh, Cool J as he's walking off goes, yeah, I'm fine. The bullet just grazed me. Because clearly the audiences were like, yeah. could we get some explanation as to why he gets shot nine times and he's fine? I'll tell you, I always had a problem with those sort of explanations for things. Yeah. Uh, but I have spent uh, the first portion of this week, I'm spending this entire week, for the first time writing a script. Yeah. I've written for TV shows, but I've never received a script assignment. Ooh, so I'm well, home. Congrats. Well, thanks, Pat. Uh, but I'm home. I got about 20 produced apps to my name. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, all the residuals that that, that entails. But go ahead. That's very exciting. <laughs> I've, uh, yeah, but I'm doing it for the first time. And, uh, no, it's very exciting. Well, it's, it's, I'm not bringing it up to be exciting. I'm bringing I'm it up serious. to serious. Well, thank you. I'm bringing it up to say I get those those half-assed tie-ups now i'm like yeah oh christ just put a fucking sentence one sentence explanation in on page 28 yeah especially for a minor character like ll <laughs> yeah and in resurrection we have buster rhymes inheriting that role buster rhymes by the way if, if you're home and you've heard the podcast before this is the time get get halloween resurrection all queued up on your 
Apple TV or whatever your device is, on your yes. Netflix. It's always a Netflix movie here on We'll See You in Hell, so you can watch along with us if you choose. That's why we're hard panned. I'm in one ear, Pat's in the other. Uh, if you don't want to listen or, or if you don't want to watch along, you don't have to. But uh, find that now because we're about to start. Um, you got, look at this cast. We got we got Daisy McCracken, which sounds like a made-up joke name. It's uh, like if I were to pitch uh, in a comedy, and her, name, her name's Daisy McCracken. They'd be like, what is this, Joe Dirt 3? <laughs> That's not a real name. But it's her actual name. I was so excited to see this film when it came out because I loved H2O. I thought H2O was amazing. I saw it opening weekend in the theater. I think I did, too. It's good, and the the last half of it is very good, I would say. I loved it. I, I truly think it's a more or less flawless sequel. All right. Uh, down, but it's pretty good. I, I really like it. I think it's the third best Halloween movie. Um, well, I know uh, Ken Hanley agrees. He just did a our, our Fangoria representative who put this whole thing together he did a facebook post where he ranked them all and he went uh three one h2o as the top wait a minute he put season of the witch as the best halloween movie i thought it was kind of crazy too i just watched season of the witch and really enjoyed it but i don't think it has any business being called a halloween movie but Uh, he ranked that as the number one halloween movie yeah wow to me and I know you were saying two's up there, which I think is really crazy. Two's my favorite. To, to me, one is so, so much better than the other ones. And it's not just because it's the classic or whatever. It's just a million times better in every regard. But okay. I well, guess you I, guys all have your, your I mean, thoughts. <laughs> I don't know if it's that. <laughs> Pat just laying it down. It's just a million times better. I, look, look, the first one, I'd say the first one is the most film-like out of all of them. <laughs> We're talking about films. Sure. But, you know, I yeah, I would say, yeah, yeah, the second one can't exist without the first one. The first one has a certain style to it. Right. That the others potentially don't have, or at least in the amount that the first does. But I just, I love the second one because to me, the second one feels like the third act of a movie. It's it To me, it's, it's when the story really gets going. It starts right at the end of one. Yeah, I like that. It's where all the mythology is revealed that they're brother and sister and... Yeah, it's just very exciting. Uh, Good deaths too. His his death at the end of two is amazing. Like he's on yeah, fire. There's, there's sh- also like you know like a woman like you know sitting in a hot tub and like a uh. scientist lab or whatever where it, that, is, that makes it feel very cheesy and not like any sort of classic movie to me. But make. I love that hot tub death. That's oh, a good well, one. Look, she's a fantastic looking lady. But. What do you say we start this? If yeah, let's start it up. If you're watching along, get yourself booted up, hit pause as soon as the picture comes up there on the movie, and then we'll count it off. All right, everybody's paused, everybody's set. Yeah. Here we go. One, One two, two, three, three. play. Now, H2O, uh, I did a little research, ignores all the events of everything except 1-2. So it goes one, yeah. two, H2O, essentially. Yes. Uh, and then does this pick up after H2O? It, it must. Resurrection. This picks up after H2O. This is why. And how did they get it so bad? This, it's why I was so excited to see it because I th- the, 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 all the promotion for the movie showed Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah. I said they knocked it out of the park with, the, with H2O. This was a fairly recent 
uh, uh, fo- follow up or to it. It wasn't like years and years went by, and I was like, okay, they're riding this heat. Right. The Buster Rhymes thing to me, I was just like, well, LL Cool J is in the other one, so I guess they're just thinking like it's potentially good luck to have a, another rapper in the sure. cast. And like I Katie Sackoff of I, Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, I was there opening opening week, and you know, as we'll soon find out. Spoiler alert: Jamie Lee Curtis dies within the first five minutes. Tyra oh, Banks shit, is in I this. I didn't remember that. Thanks, thanks, Joe. Oh, I wonder yeah. why they didn't list her in the cast. So really, she's the headlining last, this yeah. film is Busta Rhymes. Yeah, well, and I didn't know that. We're until watching a Busta Rhymes movie right now. Yeah, and and, and the minute you realize that in the theater. Yeah. When Jamie Lee Curtis dies like six minutes in, you're like, oh, shit, this is like a Tyra Banks, Buster Rhymes movie now? Yeah. Um, which is not what I signed on for. Pat. Right. That's, no, not, that's not my bag. Uh, it also has Thomas Ian Nicholas, who was the Rookie of the Year. Who? Funky Butt Lovin'. You never saw Rookie of the Year? The, the movie about that kid that plays pro baseball? Kid that plays pro baseball. It's a great movie, actually. John Candy is the announcer. Came out at the same and time as Little Big League, where a kid inherits a major league team. And that kid is the kid in, is in this. Yeah, he's in this. All right, and he's in American Pie. Now Who wait, can you, we I, we discuss this and then we forgot it again? Turn on the subtitles. I don't think I can now that we're rolling. Oh, I think you have to do it before. No, you can't do subtitles on Netflix. You definitely can. All right. Well, we're out. Who the hell cares? Yeah, I guess not. <laughs> We'll be I able just, to follow the plot. You're right, though. We should be watching. Pat mentioned it's earlier. It's so ludicrous that we haven't been watching these with subtitles so we can see what everyone's saying. We don't have to, like, listen and talk. It's just crazy that we didn't think of this. Yeah. Ooh, I'm I had a, a very similar Raggedy Andy situation. My sister had Raggedy Ann. Never never liked it. Buttons for eyes. Like, you'd be sleeping and you'd cut your cheek. Pat's referring to the fact that Jamie Lee Curtis's character, Laurie Strode, in this has... A Raggedy Ann doll on top of her pillow. So wait, she's in an asylum? She's in an asylum. But she killed him. Now this is, well... Her she, nightmares are over. This is what bothers me. Okay. She's in an asylum. Let's start where the problem started for me mm-hmm. when I saw this originally. It opened, she's in an asylum. Immediately you're like, what? A, she had a kid? She had a boyfriend? Yeah, like she things was, were going all right. She, she had a was, drinking problem, but who doesn't? Yeah. She was... I am. I imagine it's somewhat traumatic to or scarring to the soul to cut a man's head off. Sure, especially if he's your homicidal brother. Right. But she, it seemed like closure at the end of the last film. It seemed like the end of it for for yeah. her. You know, but uh, apparently not. She's back in. She's in worse shape than when she was in in the last one. Crazy. Now, and do she, you like a season of the witch? I've never. Embarrassingly, I'm about to admit I've never seen Season of the Witch. Oh, you should have told me we could, you could have come over the other night. I thought it was really fun. I heard it's great. I, I here's the thing: the reason I never saw it was because when I was a kid and I would watch the Halloween movies, which my mom got me into. Uh, my mom was always like, "Part three was dumb. It didn't have anything to do with the other ones." That's completely so, true. So I just never wanted to see it. And then, like, all my friends that were into horror movies would say the same thing. And now recently, and by recently I mean within the last maybe eight months, I've noticed that horror fans often say it's a fantastic horror movie. It's just not. Yeah, and you know, I knew that going in, so I didn't nothing. give a shit. Yeah. Like, it, it is truly crazy that out of, like, this 
12-part series, the third one is just uh, its own thing. It's kind of insane. Did you catch what happened there? Why Michael Myers is still alive? Switched, switched his body, switched, put his mask on the paramedic. And then so so Laurie Strode uh, accidentally decapitated the paramedic. But, oh, and then he put the paramedic in the body bag? He, yeah. So when, they, so when he stands up in the thing and all that and walks exactly like Michael Myers and reaches out and touches her hand and does everything exactly like Michael Myers and she looks into her brother's eyes, that was actually some rando? Yes. That's fucking stupid. Same size. That's fucking stupid. It is stupid. It didn't need to be done. I'm it- realizing now I did see this and I fell asleep in the theater, which <laughs> tells you a lot about a horror movie. There's a reason I poured a double black coffee before yeah. we started this podcast. It's 10 p.m. at night where we are. Yeah. And uh, late for our usual recordings. But uh, the city we're in, Los Feliz, just like I, I know you didn't fully come outside to greet me, which I thought was rude. You should have come out in the lawn with your arms spread wide. But it smells so skunky out there tonight. And I'm not talking about the usual Los Feliz weed smell. There. It's it smells like a truck hauling skunks overturned on the street outside of this house. What do you think that is? It's skunks. It's Griffith oh. Park skunks. Like when I, when oh. I go running at night, uh, I always see like a giant skunk. Oh, I didn't know that we had a skunk issue over here. Yeah, it's a big problem. I also at my house, uh, I'm going to sleep some nights, and the uh, light sensor on my deck will turn on, which is horrifying. Like two in the morning, and I'm like, "Oh, somebody is on my deck." And I looked out the other night. There's a skunk that must have been 80 pounds, <laughs> waddling across, like bigger than most dogs, <laughs> waddling across my deck, just like it owned the fucking place. So I'm like, every night when this light comes on, I guess they just sit out here and have a party. It's terrible. It's, it's like it's like the great outdoors. Yeah, exactly. Subtitles. subtitles. Yeah. Uh, great outdoors, man. It's got some really funny stuff in it. I I'm a big fan of the movie. I, the I, problem I, is the the love story between the teens, which I was clearly kind of forced in. But sure, something man, for the kids. It's a really funny movie. I mean, John Candy, Dan Aykroyd. What do you want? It's a great movie. What I've told you, you this before, but I once on top of my trash can outside, not in the can. Lid was closed. Yeah. Right on top of it, perfectly like new, spotless copy of The Great Outdoors on one side of the disc hey. and uh, Uncle Buck on the other side. Oh, spotless disc. Just sitting there. That's amazing. Didn't know Didn't know where I it I thought you were going to share your own raccoon or whatever story when you said trash can. I got kind of excited. I saw, well, I will say this. I did. Uncle Buck's one of my favorite movies ever. It's fantastic. Uh, I saw I, one night I was walking the dog and I I got home and there was a skunk sort of in front of my house. Okay, but then he scurried off and I just remember thinking, if he sprayed my dog right now, that would be a moment where I'd have to really rise <laughs> to being a dog owner. I'd have to deal with it, and I was or like, would I deal with you it? Drop the dog in the trash and move on with your life. <laughs> That's. I'll <laughs> tell you, when it's eleven thirty and you're tired, yeah, you, that's not that crazy of an idea. What do you got to do in that situation? You just violently scrub the dog I forever? No. Like you spend the rest of your days scrubbing a dog? I think I would have had to, like, 
leave them in the yard for a minute, go inside, look it all up on the internet. It would have been a two-hour process. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not, it's not a one-and-donner, Patty. Like, what the hell did he just get out of that vending machine? All those choices, and he gets some nondescript honey bun? <laughs> he's, he's a chunky guy. All right. I don't, you know, he looks sort of like a Key and peel character. He does. Uh, he, uh, yeah, he did get that weird, that was odd. Like, you couldn't read what it was. It's probably because he couldn't shoot. You have all these rules with product placement. Like, if he chooses one, then you got to pay the company or what they pay you. Yeah, they clearly shoved some kind of half-eaten donut into a saran wrap. That tells you the kind of penny-pinching operation we're running here with Halloween Resurrection. Now, for all intents and purposes, the beginning of the film here. It's not terrible. I don't like that it starts with her in the asylum, as I said. But you got your security guards creeping around the basement. It's a little eerie. It's a little spooky. Michael Myers is somewhere in there. You know that he is. Uh-oh. Is he in that washing machine? No, but the washing machine just went into slow motion, which means he's going to find something in there. Oh, like a head, yeah. A I, dog. I, or... Yeah, I believe it's a head, if I remember correctly. We just hit our dog cruelty quota for this podcast. There yeah. he is. Yeah. I love that. Now, That's by the way, the mask in H2O was not great. And I looked it up and I was like, is this the mask I remember? Because it's not the mask I'm seeing now either. And yeah. they said people complained about the mask and did reshoots. And they also did some CGI frame-by-frame replacing of the mask. Because people were like, what is this? Wait, what? How do you mess something like that up? I I never noticed anything out of step with the mask. It's an it's a different mask than the first, uh, you know, one and two, and it's a different mask than I'm looking at now. This is a much and not this clown mask I'm talking about. What's the difference? Not a major difference, but the one in H two O looked a little goofier, I think, and a little less scary. I do remember it looking a, a bit more crisp or something. Well, almost this one like looks very crisp. Almost like he bought a Michael Myers mask. Yeah, and I guess you know maybe he doesn't always use the same mask. They probably took it away if they put him away. But I mean, this is basic movie trivia. I'm sure you know, but it's the original mask was a William Shatner mask turned inside out. Bill Shatner, I did know that. What What's Billy up to? He's in a new horror movie, uh, Halloween Tales of Halloween. It's supposed to be great. I didn't know oh, he was no. in that, but I'd love to see. No, it. I'm sorry, he's not. He's in another horror movie, The Christmas One, Christmas oh, Horror Krampus? Story. Oh, Christmas Horror Story, okay. which also has a Krampus story in it. Yeah, but then there Krampus they're, is uh, like evil Santa. Yeah, Krampus is. There's a Krampus movie coming out, I believe, by the guy that did Trick or Treat, and then um, Trick or Treat's pretty good. I like Trick or Treat. I thought that'd be a fun one tonight too, and that's not on Netflix instant. But I know all these movies were at some point. I almost suggested, and then I forgot because I'm not prepared, that we just go off the grid tonight. And not do a Netflixer, but do a, do a DVD so we could actually pick a Halloween movie we wanted to watch. Uh, yeah, I do think it's smart, though, just to, to reach the masses. Most people have Netflix Instant. Of course. But, I mean, we did it's Maniac Cop 2. a branding issue, Joe. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that wasn't, people you know, kind of rolled with that. People rolled with it. That was a fun event. Um, and, as always, we love your guys' feedback. Also... Can I dis- can I discuss the star ratings issue? Oh, I don't care. All right, so d- tell them very briefly what happened with you and the, and the Opie and Anthony show, and why <laughs> the racists of America hate you. <laughs> Anthony and I had a bit of a public falling out. 
It's been very quiet for quite some time now. Uh, I don't know what his stance on it is currently. I have, since everything went happened, said publicly that my regret was that grown men, and, and I included myself in this, resorted to Twitter and online fighting or something. Right. And didn't handle things privately. And, I again, I included myself in that blame. There has been no noise about it. Everything has been quiet. Uh, I, as far as I know, it's more or less behind us. Um, but but now, there's still some angry fans out there that are crazy. That to are me, just. That I think it's have one guy. In their lives. Yeah, I think it's one guy. So it so, seemed like one guy wrote all these reviews. Yeah. They all said roughly the same thing, and also had one sentence different to make it seem like it was a different person. Yeah. Time. So and and all, the issue is our podcast had five stars or four or yeah. whatever. It was doing really well. Yeah. And then somebody comes in and gives it. Eight one-star reviews in one day, and each review is like, Joe DeRosa hates women. He's a racist. Anti-Semitic uh, was another one, too. He's anti-Semitic. And they all said the same basic thing. And none, uh, none of that's true, by the way. It's obviously ludicrous. And so now this podcast hovers around like a three-star, and it does matter to get people to hear it. So, like, congratulations, your voice is being heard. And this fun podcast about horror movies that we do uh, now looks like it's not popular, and, and you're shitting on it. So thanks, man. Well, it's because why? Because Joe had a falling out with a guy that you don't know and will never meet. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Okay. So, so I'm asking you if you like the podcast and you're listening. It takes ten seconds to click the five star rating and, and try to get us back up because now we're going against all this shit. And now the guy's going to hear this. And now I'll be a target, and they'll be like, oh, Pat's also a racist. One star. You know, but well, just it happened. Um, get a life. It happened to, I'm assuming it's the same person or small group of persons behind it. But uh, I, I, it also happened to my album ratings and all this other stuff. So everything I have online basically has, like, one star. Yeah, um, I mean, like. like so why, so why would you try to bring a man's career down? for the, Like, what's wrong with you? It's, What's wrong with America? It's look. This is social what? networking. Why did she just kiss him? Oh, she said, "I'll see you in hell." I don't like that Jamie Lee Curtis kisses him on the lips. <laughs> it's very weird. You I know? definitely saw this movie because I remember that moment. And this is where I checked out. Jamie yeah. Lee Curtis falls to her death, and the whole movie, there was a tiny part in the back of my head where I was like, "She's gonna come back." Mm-hmm. Like he came back, and then she never does, and I wanted. I was furious. Well, that moment in H two O when she and him come face to face—not the indie pop group, but she meaning Jamie Lee Curtis and him meaning Michael Myers—when they first like lock eyes, uh-huh. uh, she gets on the other side of that door and slams it. That was right. a very exciting moment. It's m- one of my favorite scenes, yeah, in horror movie history. It's iconic. It's it's. It's two iconic characters. It's it's the reckoning day. They're having yeah. the, they have the face to face moment where she realizes this isn't all in my head anymore. This is really happening. I get chills at that part. You got in the background Josh Hardnett looking like he's missing a couple chromosomes as always, <laughs> and you got Michelle Williams with bizarrely drawn on eyebrows. Yeah, it was a different time. It was a different time. Back when we just thought Michelle Williams was going to be a Dawson kid and that was going to be the end of it, went on to. Academy Award nomination. Yeah, and then I guess to not act for what seems like about 
six years now. Yeah. I haven't seen her in anything. I haven't seen her in anything. She seems like a sweet kid. I wish she'd I wish she'd come back to us. I fucking love Blue Valentine. It's one of my favorite movies. Never saw it. It seems too sad and Oh, it is, man. Anytime I have a like a pretty serious argument with a, a girl I'm dating or whatever, I'll sit down two AM, fire up a glass of bourbon and watch Blue Valentine. Which is very healthy. <laughs> but I'm just like <laughs> Hey, I hear you, folks. This is terrible. Now, I do appreciate that they go 15 minutes before they show the title screen. They did that in H2O as well. Um, That's uh, maybe Scream kind of pioneered that. But here's the thing. Not pioneered. Here's the thing is uh, uh, the other part in H2O that I get chills from is the uh, when when she when Jamie Lee Curtis shuts the gates. She tells her kid and her his friends to run. Yep. She shuts the gates, and she realizes that she's locking herself in with Michael Myers, but now she's going to go and confront him. Yeah. And it's literally the moment where the hunted becomes the hunter, and she starts yeah, screaming great. Michael, and the music starts playing. Goosebumps. I remember I was dating a girl once, and on Halloween I showed her that movie, and I remember she didn't quite get why I thought that part was so cool. <laughs> And it, w- it wasn't long after that that it ended. <laughs> Let me tell you how this played out. No, you don't understand. <laughs> no, it's it's Laurie Strode twenty years later. <laughs> yeah, it's that was her, wasted breath. Her <laughs> vagina getting so dry <laughs> with each word that you say, just drier and drier yeah. as you rant on and yeah. on about what this iconic just, scene means to just you. Just a paling. <laughs> <laughs> drying slab of skin until it, it looked crackling like, like the Michael Myers yeah. mask. Chafing. Um, oh, we should tell the listeners about uh, our real life, uh, well, my real life uh, Halloween moment this week. A true terror come to life. I had a dream about our friendship. I texted you about this. Yeah. But a nightmare about our friendship that we were... I haven't heard this yet, so I want to know what it was. Yes, this was the nightmare. We knew... A there, nightmare on Friend Street. <laughs> there was a third friend we had, but we didn't like him. This is. Did we? Did you see him in the dream, or it was a nondescript? He, he was like a guy in the dream. Okay, but like he wasn't like a guy in real life. Okay. Um, but he was this guy, and we we I knew in the dream that we hated him. Right. That was backstory, though. That wasn't happening in the movie. In the movie, you know what I mean. So. uh I was with the guy one night, and I go, uh, what do you think Pat's up to? And he goes, I don't know. We should text him. And we both texted you separately and okay. didn't say we were together, but just like, hey, what are you up to? And then you only texted him back and said, like, hey, man, I'm around if you want to hang out. And I was sitting there like, he texted the guy that we hate. <laughs> he didn't text me back. Yeah. He must be furious at me. And I woke up, realized it was a nightmare, was was sh- shaken still. Went Jesus. to went to the Grove, bought some corduroy slacks and a Kindle <laughs> fire, uh, and then uh, texted you and said, "I said just that. I had a nightmare. It shook me up so bad. I had to buy something to take my mind off of it." Right. Uh, and then, and then I didn't hear back from you, and I was like, "My God, it's happening in real life." It was the nightmare come to life, and, and then I, and. I have not been receiving several texts lately, yeah. and I get a lot of texts from unknown. It'll say unknown message not received. I'm having some issues with my service. Yeah, AT and T, can you help me out? Yeah, 
So when you texted me last night and I said, did you get that text? And you said, no, what are you talking? I was the relief that washed over me, Pat. Well, that's that's very touching that you, that you care so much about the friendship, Joe. Of course I do. Of course I do. That's a sick thing that I've heard of people doing, and I've often I've had a couple friends be like, "Hey, we should both text this person at the same time." I don't remember who it was, and I wouldn't say on air anyway. But somebody was like, "This friend of ours is such a star fucker. You text him because it was as a friend of mine who was kind of famous, uh-huh. and then I'll text him, and we'll see if if he only responds to." It. And I was like. I don't want to know how this plays out. I wouldn't want to know either. I don't want to know and that, you know, it's it's sick. And we weren't doing a test in the dream. We were just like, let's both text Pat. We just failed to say, hey, we're hanging out together. Right. And then that was it. And I was, right. oh, God, it was all kinds of, ooh. I remember once Pete was doing his podcast. Pete Holmes was doing his podcast. Yeah. And he had Pat Oswald on. Right. And I don't know what they discussed before this happened, but my phone rang. I saw it was Pete. I didn't answer. Then my phone rang a second time, and it was some weird 310 number. I answer, and he's like, this voice goes, Joe DeRosa, it's Pat Oswald. And I go, oh, hey, Pat, what's up? And he goes, can I ask you a question? I go, yeah, sure. And he goes, why did you answer my call and not Pete's? <laughs> and I heard that, actually. Yeah, and I, I said, You're, I didn't. Ha- this must be a new number. I didn't have it. Yeah. I thought it was work calling. Right. I think I also did say, uh, obviously, two patent. Were it you, <laughs> I still would have probably answered. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's not a shot at Pete. Right. I talk to Pete every every day. Too much, but <laughs> you know. Anyway, Jen Kirkman guy, in a supporting role. It does look like Jen Kirkman. Look, look at this, this guy. guy. <laughs> that's they couldn't get the guy from that '70s show. They tried. <laughs> That's a guy who, when you cut to, er, as we just proved, everyone at the same time says, look at this guy. Who, who he's still going up in bars being like, hey, um, I don't know, you ever see this movie Halloween Resurrection? I was in that. It was like. My God, how hot was Tyra Banks? She was. Christ. Tyra Banks is still incredible. I haven't seen her in years, yeah. so I don't know. There, I, I'm not this, saying like she lost it. I'm just saying like right there, I'm like, my uh, God. She still looks great. She had a. I mean, she has a talk show, and she seems to have a screw loose, but she was very hot. She still has a talk show? Yeah. That fucking talk show was still on? Oh, I don't know if it's still on, but... I remember on. when she had it. I don't She'd think She'd come out every anymore. couple weeks and be like, this is what fat looks like, America. Yeah. That was like a big thing. <laughs> Which was Oprah's bit first. Was it? Oprah would come out and be like, I lost a hundred pounds. And like two weeks later, she'd be like, so uh, I gained that hundred pounds back. <laughs> Which I can relate to. I'll probably do the same thing a couple times a year. Not a hundred, but this kid, by the way, in Halloween Resurrection, is going for the Jason Patrick uh, circa Lost Boys. Yeah, 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 yeah. Lookalike award. Yeah, Lost Boys would have been a good one too. I mean, really, we were like, let's do a Halloween episode. We got to do a Halloween movie. But what? Well, this is feeling very Final Destination right now. Well. That girl just screamed so loud a glass broke, <laughs> which is absurd. That's well, ridiculous. let me ask. Now, so obviously H2O had a compelling reason to be made, and it was released on the exact 20th anniversary of the original Halloween, which is very cool. And they did a fantastic job. Yeah. You Kevin Williamson did not get – he got credited as a co-EP on it, and apparently he rewrote the script pretty heavily 
and he just got that credit as like a thank you, but he didn't I, get credit as a writer on the movie. He didn't. He didn't. It's two other guys. Uh, he, uh, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis got that movie made. I didn't. She knew it was the 20th anniversary coming up. I saw saw her in an interview once, and she said, she said, I thought to myself, I can still get something done in this town. I picked up the phone, I made a call, and nice, they Jamie. Said, yeah. yeah, I love Jamie Lee Curtis. Always have. Who doesn't? I was watching Trading Places. Oh God! Earlier today. The, how about the nude scene in that? <laughs> Holy shit! And I remember, I, I mean, I've always been obsessed with uh, Christopher Guest and his movies. And when I found out he married her, I was like, dude, you're the best. Yeah. And apparently he's just a complete, like, asshole and, like, so, like, bitter and angry, which I also love. Really? And he landed, like, the most positive, happy woman there is, Jamie Lee Curtis. Is he bitter? Any interview I've seen with him, he's just, like, he's angry in a very hilarious way. That's He's great. Very quiet. Or I can I can relate to that. I the, read uh, Martin Short's biography, biography <laughs> and he's got a lot of really funny Christopher Guest stories. So he told I think he made the first like spoiler alert joke I think before spoiler alert was a thing. Uh-huh. But he was t- t- talking about how uh, he was like even some of my friends were critical of my career choices during this period. It's like I can still remember sitting at a bar with my friend Chris Guest. <laughs> And I told him what I was working on, this new movie called Captain Ron. <laughs> and he said, what's it about? And I told him, well, you know, uh, Kurt Russell and his family, uh, you know, me and my family are on a ship. And we bring on Kurt Russell, who plays Captain Ron. And he is kind of a wild card and shakes our family up. Uh, and he, he's in the middle of saying this. Christopher Guest goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't say ruin it for me. <laughs> Just like, you know, a, a funny asshole, which I like. Uh, we should also mention Jamie Lee Curtis in, in True Lies, a scene I masturbated to eight million times, even though it features no nudity. Which scene? When she dances with him? Yeah. Schwarzenegger? That was, I mean, that came out in 94. I was 13, 14. I was not able to see R-rated movies. I did not have the internet. That scene was huge for me. Mildly disturbing story from Walsh. Not really. From the sidelines, Walsh. I'll tell you what is disturbing is that Arnold sits there and watches his wife do this elaborate striptease and doesn't tell her, like, hey, it's me, your husband. I've always found that scene very sick and fucked up to me. There was a, there was a movie called Fall Time with William Baldwin, I believe. It was a... Familiar with it? I haven't seen it. You know, bank robber, whatever movie. Yeah. It took place in, like, the 50s or something. But they take a hostage, and it's... He's got like this younger, like teenage cohort. Okay, and it's like the kind of good cop bad cop thing with the two crooks and the the kids actually being kind of like nice to the hostage. Yeah, she's like this gorgeous blonde, and there's like this scene where she seduces him and they start making out and she gives him a hand job, mm-hmm. and you s- she puts his hand her hand down his pants, well, and you, you see her kind of work it, so it looks pretty real. But anyway, I masturbated to that on the spot. <laughs> so there's no nudity, I'm assuming. No, zero. Just it's simply just a hand down a pant. And you're telling me real... me masturbating to Jamie Lee Curtis looking amazing in a in a bra and panties is disturbing. Pat, I never said I wasn't a hypocrite. All right. <laughs> the uh no, it's not disturbing. I'm 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 just giving you shit, but I can but yeah, tell you I, some disturbing tales, but I'm not going to. It was such a realistic depiction of a hand job. Sure. It just it got me. It'd probably get me if I saw it right now. 
You know, it does kind of work that way when you. I, I stumbled one night upon uh, Hamburger the Motion Picture, uh-huh. which was the first nudity I ever saw. And it's a movie about. It's came along, you know, the same time as, uh, like, Ski Patrol and that kind of shit. And yeah, I, I remember. Hamburger is like, I think Jim Varney, who played Ernest, is in it, maybe. Yeah, it always kind of upset me that he was in a movie that was sort of <laughs> randy. Yeah, and that he wasn't playing Ernest. But anyway, it was the first nudity day I ever saw, and I stumbled upon it at age, like, 27 one night on cable. And I was, like, just rock hard. And it was scenes that, you know, shouldn't have had any effect on me, but I was it took me back to a time of innocence. Yeah, I remember what, uh, my roommate in New York was one of the roommates I had in New York. We were well barreling towards 30 yeah. at the time, and he still was like, he'd be like, oh, there's some good, I think there's going to be good tit in this movie. And I was like, <laughs> who cares? We have a porn machine sitting on a desk over there. But you do care. I, I, did, I, I care. I didn't care. I uh, I just watched the full season of Red Oaks on Amazon Instant, which is a really great show. I think my friend Rachel's in that show. Who does she play? Uh, if it's the show I'm thinking of, she plays like a a sort of, I think maybe like a kind of floozy girlfriend to somebody. Okay. Or something. Well, I mean, there's plenty of floozy girlfriends on the show. I think, I think it's that show. I gotta watch. Anyway, whatever. It's a great show. I liked it a lot, but I mean... What compelled me to keep watching, aside from really enjoying it, what made me be like, yeah, I'll watch the fourth in a row, was the nudity, if I'm being honest. It could just kind of... How much nudity is It's an extra thing that keeps you hanging on, you know? How much nudity is in it? Ample. Ample. Is it like sort of like a take on like a Caddyshack kind of thing? It's a complete, uh, and I will say homage and not ripoff. It is a full homage to those kind of movies. They even do, which I found very bizarre, a body switching episode between the kid and his dad. Like it's a, it's an eighties homage. Oh, okay, I don't think this is the same show. It probably is though. It's at a country club in the eighties, and yeah, the show I'm thinking Tyra of really made a sloppy cappuccino there. She did. I think that's part of the charm of this scene, though. Is she's dancing around being cute. Is this who we're listening to, Aaliyah? Uh. I couldn't tell you. By the way, the theme song of uh, Halloween H2O is Creed's What's This Life For? <laughs> Which is a song, I believe, about giving your life to Jesus Christ. And an insane <laughs> choice. Plays over the credits and everything. Uh, I heard that Creed guy's living in his car. You know what? Good. No, come on. Good. I, Why I is mean, that good? Fucking Creed? I remember like all this shit about Creed and him doing that fucking shirtless Jesus shit in the video. And I mean, the guy's a tool. I don't wish every song is about Jesus. And then what comes out? But a, a video of him and Kid Rock getting blown by twenty groupies in the back of a bus. Oh, okay. It's like, no, you can't do it both, my friend. Yeah, you can't well, do it both. Tiger Woods proved you can. You can't be on your knees on Sunday and then get them on your knees on Friday night, <laughs> people. <laughs> I uh, thought your knees was used for praying. <laughs> See, now, I uh, I have this giant Halloween box set, and I've been going through it and loving it and watching, like, these feature-length documentaries on the movies. And I realized I can watch hours of documentary footage on any movie, whether I like it or not. And if it's a failure, all the better. You know, everybody's talking about Season of the Witch. Like, yeah, we messed up. Like, it's a bad movie. Uh-huh. And then, the documentary comes around and it shows you that people now love it. And it was, 
it was like a, its own little Rocky, the documentary. Yeah. Like it was very inspiring about how things can just take 20 years sometimes before they catch on. So uh, I, I loved yeah. it. And the uh, documentary on H2O I haven't watched yet, but like that's awesome that Jamie Lee Curtis got it going again. So now they're like, yeah, let's do H2O. Why would they kill off Michael Myers? Were they just thinking they killed him in such a way that they cut his head off? Like, was Jamie Lee Curtis like, I'll do it once and never again, and we got to kill him? But then the movie was a hit, and then they're, like, backing up the money truck. Because you know she made at least a million dollars to be in the first five minutes of this movie. I think it was probably, yeah, I think it was was either that or it was just they said, if we want to keep going, here's how we'll justify it. Right. But I don't think that, I, I think it's probably the former. I don't think that was the case. Nobody from H2O is involved in this one. Yeah, that's true. Except, I mean, money's money, and it was a big hit. Everything down to the titles. I mean, the the titles in this film look like the, the, like video game titles. Like it's that's true. like it's everything. Everything. None of this was done with the value of, of oh, the that looks terrible. Right predecessor. There. Well, that's supposed to, that's supposed to be like right. When H two O starts, like the opening five minutes, it's kind of a s- stupid scene, nothing scene. But uh, when it starts with Joseph Gordon Levitt. Uh, and that woman, you know, the the ner- Loomis's nurse gets out of the car or whatever. It's shot so cool. It's great. It's playing Mr. Sandman. The titles look just like the original titles. Everything's yeah. perfect. And then, you know, the very next one, they're like, yeah, we'll just cash in with some dog shit. It upsets me that Jamie, I mean, look, who am I to judge? If they said to me, here's a million dollars for oh, a day's yeah. work or whatever. Absolutely. Like, yeah, okay. But it it upsets me that she's in this because I, I I wish she wasn't, so I knew she was like disapproving of it or something. Sure. Well, you know the woman's doing yogurt that makes your shit commercials now. But <laughs> does any genre treat its fans shittier than the horror genre? It's it's especially when you get into sequels and stuff like they. And and you and many other horror fans, reasonably so, allow themselves to care. And it's got to be so devastating for people to be like, you know, like the other night I almost watched Tremors 5. Uh, it, that's on I Netflix tried. Instant. And I was like, I tried. I can't. Jamie Kennedy, I can't do this. I shut it off because of Kennedy. Yeah. I was going to watch it. I shut it off because of Kennedy. I can't stand Jamie Kennedy. Uh he almost ruined Scream for me. Yeah, but uh, I so I shut it off. But uh, I, tr- I I I I was game. I was going to give it a shot. I like the opening where the guy's like lowering into that pit and falls. And I haven't seen it yet. But but you know the um they actually explained too how the different types of the tremor creatures, like how the psych- circle of life works with them. Okay, which I thought was pretty cool, and yeah. it made me understand why there was a land one. An underground one, a land one, and then a flying one. Yeah. So well, I thought that was cool. I mean, it's just there's only so many times you can you can we can watch them like destroy the mythology of something before it's like, well, is the original still great or has it been tarnished? And I can usually treat the original as great, but they just announced like they're going to do a Die Hard prequel. Yeah. Well. Like I can't. I don't know what to do about that. Die Hard. I don't know what to do. The last Die Hard to me was the level was equivalent to this type of sequel. Die Hard, Live Free or Die Hard was fucking awesome. It was. It was solid. I loved it. It was solid. I'll give. But you But I felt like they were rebooting the thing. 
it was a, it was a true sequel. It felt like Die Hard. That's like, fair. That's fair. It was great. I thought it was great. And I think one, two, and three are all A movies. They're just, I mean, I love the first. One's a classic. Three, you corner me at a weird time. I can be like, yeah, almost as good as the first. I love, I love and two's a blast. I love the first four. Ran out to see the fifth one when it came out. Couldn't wait. So these guys haven't steered me wrong yet. It's so clearly five is so bad. It's it's like they took. It's like they. I personally, my theory is is because they did. Remember that movie with Bruce Willis on the boat. Striking distance. That was supposed to be Die Hard Four. Yeah, and I guess they were like, "This isn't a Die Hard movie," and they just made it into Striking Distance. Yeah. Well, I, my theory oh. is with Die Hard Five. That was cool. What they just did there. Yeah, it was scary. No, I just mean like. Yeah, the yeah, mask. Cool it was scary. Twist. The uh, Are these guys Reservoir Dogs. Yes, nice little Miramax. No, it's twist. Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction. Okay, go ahead, Sarge. Die Hard Five. It, it, I was like, this is a script to another movie, and they just changed it to Die Hard Five. Mm-hmm. This isn't Die. Hard. It had no none of the tropes or elements of Die Hard. Yeah, it had it nothing. None of it was the same. It That's was the kind terrible. of shit they used to do all the time. Like, dir- you know, like d- this movie like is going to be a Dirty Harry movie, and I'm like, nah, nah, eh, we'll throw it to somebody else. It's not good enough to be a Dirty Harry. Like, <laughs> There were that, rumors forever that Gran Torino was going to be another Dirty Harry movie. Well, that honestly, that would have been amazing if it was like the Rocky Balboa of Dirty Harry. I would have loved it. And I think we're, we can still get that in before Eastwood dies, and I would fucking love it. Yeah, I'd buy it. I mean, look, they're, they're, they're doing Indiana Jones 5, they've said now. Oh, come on, man. Listen, I'm in. I'm in. Yeah, and they said there. they're going to have Ford in it, and they're going to—he's—he, they said he'll pass the torch, yeah. but it will not be like a James Bond thing where a new guy will play Indiana Jones. Right. I'm in. Quick, I'm in. Uh, a grant, quick Grant Torino story. That I don't think I ever shared with you. Uh, I was in New York, uh, and I was visiting from L.A., but I was trying to do a long distance thing. I had a, a, a girlfriend in New York. Mm-hmm. I went when she would work. I would go to all these screenings, Academy Awards screenings, because I was in the Writers Guild. So you get you get to go to movies for free around Oscar time. Sure. One of them was Gran Torino, and I was like excited to see it. I think Gran Torino is a pretty ludicrous movie, but it's very entertaining. It's an absurd film. Yeah, it is entertaining. I find it absurd. <laughs> yeah, no question. It's, cra- th- th- it's it's confusing to me. when he's saying all the racist stuff. I'm like, is this supposed to be funny? <laughs> I They're can't... playing it for laughs. They Definitely. are right. And at the end, the funniest part of the whole movie is Eastwood sings a song about a Gran Torino over the end credits. And so it's yeah. like the movie ends, and I was like, wow, that was crazy. And then you hear, there's a Gran Torino. <laughs> he sings. <laughs> it's insane. Anywho, I'm, yeah. I'm sitting in, in, in New York, and they have this, these tiny screening theaters that make you feel like a king. And they're like 30 seats, big cushy seats. So I go in. I'm watching the movie. And there's one chair, t- like, taped off. And as the opening credits start, in comes a, and I don't want to tell tales out of school, but I think you can only say he was extremely drunk, minimum, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Okay. And he's like, I feel like he probably smells. He looked homeless. <laughs> He was drunk, and I was just like, whoa, Like this is a big sighting. Who doesn't fucking love Philip Seymour Hoffman? And, you know, when he died, I was like, I thought of that day, and I was like, yeah, this guy had some demons, you know, whatever. But he comes in, and he's stumbling and whatever, and he, 
laughed so hysterically throughout <laughs> Gran Torino, like the Joker, like De Niro and Cape Fear with a cigar. Like he was maniacally laughing at Gran Torino, and it was so infectious that I had a, like the whole theater was like dying laughing at how funny he found this movie. <laughs> And I wanted to ask him, like, are you laughing at the racism? Like, do you think this movie is so bad that it's funny? <laughs> are you just drunk? But it was such yeah. kind of like a joyous experience. And that's what I, I always think of when I think of Philip Schumacher. Uh, I had an experience with him in the in New York, too. Please tell. Saw a taxi cab crash into scaffolding. Mm. Scaffolding collapsed on the taxi cab. Bloody kid got out of the back, completely disoriented because he had slammed his head. He was bleeding. Okay. I actually got his blood on my coat because I tried to help him. Oh wow! Sit down. You slipping that dry cleaning bill? Uh, oh, you about no. to see some sackcloth? Maybe? Crazy, uh, crazy big crowd forms. It was the craziest accident I've ever seen. There's smoke everywhere. It was insane. Okay. Crazy crowd forms. My friend and I are just standing there in disbelief. We can't believe we saw this thing happen. And then. Through the crowd comes Philip Seymour Hoffman, again, looking quite homeless, on a 10-speed <laughs> yeah. bike. Okay. Just kind of looking over his shoulder like, what the hell's going on here? Stops for a minute and then keeps going, and my friend Joanne goes, only in New York. Yeah. I thought you were going to say he was a, like a, he rescued the kid or something. But. He got there way after it happened. Okay. So uh. he was just kind of like, what the hell is everybody looking at? And then saw, like, the wreckage. But we saw the actual accident happen. Yeah. I saw a cab drive through scaffolding and the scaffolding collapse onto the cab that's cr- now in a movie there'd be four uh like building painters up on that scaffolding it was nuts dude thank god it happened at night if people i mean i can't believe nobody died yeah now this is i mean is this pairing could no, it wait. be more unbelievable that this no wait a minute he what? just said big perv and they dub they dubbed that dialogue is this pg-13 or something no he, his mouth just moved, and somebody dubbed in "big perv" completely off. Maybe it was, maybe they just didn't get it, and it was Ugh. just a bad dub job. Well, that this movie is pathetic. <laughs> what are we looking at here? This is that's the first time this has been said on this podcast, and we watched Leprechaun, <laughs> and we're supposed to believe that chump was bringing that girl into a room. To well, that's what I, that was what I was focused on. Was There's a lot that, to deal with here. This this kid that looked like a reject from like the Hogan family. <laughs> Well, for a minute, I thought it was Buzz from Home Alone. That's that's what I was going for. Yeah. I couldn't remember the reference. And then I realized he would have been, like, in his early 30s. Buzz it's from Home Alone, the... by the way, uh, well, he was in an episode of Louie as the guy driving Louie to uh, a gig. And it reminded me of the guy who drove us in uh, in Denver. Why? What, did, what, what was he doing? Uh, well, the guy who drove us was great and delightful. Oh, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. It just meant, I, you know, I don't do those. I don't, like, tour the globe or whatever like you do, Joe. But the, globe the, trotter. The premise of the Louis episode, I, I know you were on a Louis episode as well. Yeah. But uh, the driver uh, is just super chatty, and he has to tell him, like, hey, man, I don't want to talk. And the guy, like, starts crying and has a big <laughs> breakdown or whatever. But he was awesome in that, and he's amazing in a movie for you Netflix Instant users, if you want a recommendation, called Blue Ruin. And I was watching Blue Ruin, which is kind of like a simple plan type joint. You got Buzz from Home Alone in it. And I was loving it, and this actor comes in, and I was like, man, this guy's like real. He He gives an amazing performance, and about 10 minutes in, I was like, where have I seen him? Where have I seen him? And when I looked him up and made the Buzz connection, I about fell off the couch. 
good he's, for Buzz, man. Like, I love that. Nothing brings me greater joy than, like, okay, you're buzzing home alone. By all accounts, by now you should be working at a, an Amico station. <laughs> and he's like, you know what? I'm going to do some indies. I'm going to be on Louie. And now he's good. probably he's like a great character actor. Good. I love that shit. That's great. That's great. I'm happy for Buzz. He's my favorite. <laughs> he's my favorite line in Home Alone. Look what you did, you little jerk. Buzz is awesome, obviously. That's the best line. And I loved no, when but- Macaulay Culkin hosted SNL and Chris Farley <laughs> did that line. Yeah. It was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Buzz, your girlfriend. Woof. <laughs> I'm going to see uh, Home Alone. They're bringing it back to theaters for one night. One night only. I mean, I I couldn't love a movie more. Speaking of which, it's Halloween week. Uh, very disappointed in the options for what's screening in L.A. this There's Halloween. Nothing. nothing. Nothing that interests interest me at all. Nothing. No. I missed it. We missed the Dawn of the Dead one. That would have been good. Downtown. Was and screening. I missed the thing, which I wanted to see at the Arclight. I would have seen that. Yeah, we just fucked Does the Arc Light have anything this weekend that's good? I think they might be doing like Psycho Halloween Night, but you never want to go to a movie at midnight on Halloween night. You're at a party or something. Well, what about tomorrow or Friday? It's conceivable. It's conceivable. If you haven't figured out, folks, it's the Wednesday before Halloween. It is, and we're hoping to, hopefully this is dropping Saturday, Halloween. It will. A special gift to the fans. We talked to Ken. I think it's actually going to drop Friday. That's great. That's great. So the fans will get it. Here's Buster Rhymes trying to bed Tyra Banks. God, can, movie. can you imagine even being in a position where you might have a 1% chance of having sex with Tyra Banks? Uh, in, the, in these days, are you kidding me? It's, I would blow that immediately. I would just be a disaster. It's a different... It's a I different, would drink too much, try to be charming. It's a different... It's a completely different machine... It's 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 not it, and I don't mean like the mentality of being able to flirt with somebody like Tyra Banks. I mean the mentality of people in that position. They just think differently, male or female. Yeah, you're just in a status place where your ego, your your confidence, whatever it is, it's all just designed very differently. Yeah, well, it's and like a, that, it's like a girl walk into a bar, and <laughs> especially in L.A., a, a girl walk into a bar or whatever, and like. It's almost like a cartoon where your jaw hits the floor and, like, your tongue rolls out like a staircase or whatever. Like, you can't believe what you're seeing. But it would never occur to me to approach that girl. No. But to some guys, it's like, yeah, I'll, I'll roll the dice. I I mean, I, I, I saw a girl tonight on the street that was so hot and so cold to me as she walked <laughs> by. She made me ashamed of myself. Now, did I felt you like say some something sort of. She was cold, or you just got a cold vibe. No, I was walking with the dog. Usually, you get a smile from a girl when you're walking your dog. They think the dog is cute. Right. Walking with the dog, walked past her, just gave a nice, friendly smile. I mean, <laughs> ice. I felt like some sort of. But then again, deformed troll that had crawled out from <laughs> under the bridge. She it, might be getting a lot of lecherous shit, you know, and that's how she now re- treats the world. We don't know. Who knows? You can't take it personal, Pat. That's what they'll tell you in the four agreements if yeah. you've ever read it. I well, I bought it and didn't read it. I bought it on your recommendation. It's, you could read it in like a most day. things that would probably greatly help my life. I uh, ignore them. That's what I do. I'm working on a new bit about therapy. About how ninety percent of the reason I ever go to therapy is to work on my problems with intimate relationships. Yeah. Yet I've never 
left therapy where I didn't treat it like a weird breakup where I just slowly fade away. It's no <laughs> like, different than how, than a relationship. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, it's every reason that brings me there. I that's how I end the therapy. It's I it's had so much, so much tension with my therapist this week that I was like, okay, so now therapy is really no different than like uh, just a relationship that I'm trying to work on. Mm. Like I I went in and she starts every she'll never listen. To I I she starts every one by looking at me and being like, so um, what's going on? <laughs> that's how we start each week, and it. It like it's like throwing a bucket of ice water in my face. I can't, and I'm I like, eh, and I wind up talking around the issue for 50 minutes, and then we finally latch onto something, and she's like, "That's time." Every single week, because it's that. And I told her, I was like, "You can't start with me anymore." With so, uh, what's going on? It's like it's this general shit, and it makes me freak out, and I don't like it. And she was like, "Oh, okay." And we got tense, and we got weird. Really? Then when we leave, usually she's like, have a great week. And this week she goes, so I guess uh, have whatever kind of week you want to have. Does this uh, d- drop this lady? It, it, wasn't, a, it wasn't quite as confrontational as I'm making it. And I told her, I was like, I know why you say what's going on. It's a device. But right. I felt exactly like Tony Soprano. Being like, I know what you're doing here. I know what here. you mean. I like, know, yeah. you, you quit trying to outsmart me. Like, quit, like, There's, by the way, the therapists you see on TV shows where you go in and they go, okay, so last week we were, d- were discussing your father or whatever. You know, and they yeah. picture it. That doesn't exist. I've been a therapist my whole life. I've never had a therapist where it felt like there was any, you know, like, I've had great therapists. Yeah. But I've never felt that level of continuity. Maybe that's all. That's what you get when my, you pay five hundred bucks an hour. I don't know. But see, my therapist too much tries to connect things to my father. I'm like, yeah. No. I just mean like the, the continuation of the discussion. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Have you ever had a therapist that picks right up where you left off? No, I really. never had that. No. You know, I mean, my I, favorite. I, this is wildly politically incorrect, and I know you don't even like The Sopranos. My my favorite line in all The Sopranos is she talks to him for like a minute and like like kind of like nails what he's like she nails him kind of and he goes this sounds very gay to me <laughs> and i i cackle laughing at that cuz it's like he it's such a defense mechanism and he's such like a child yeah and that's how i am when i get in there i'm like i go into therapy like please help me and then i'm like quit trying to fucking help me yeah yeah i know what i'm doing it's it's a terrible pattern of behavior as is most of what i do my favorite uh therapy scene ever is in curb your enthusiasm when he sees him in the thong no well that's great too it might be the same episode but he's in therapy and he walks out of therapy at the beginning and richard lewis is there and he's like how you doing or it's rob reiner and he's like how you doing oh yeah like i'm good and he goes he goes how was your session and he goes this it's ridiculous it's pointless but you you can't bother your friends with this crap yeah it's like that's truly what it is it's just it's the room where you go to be like i hate the world you know yeah and then and then they go it's okay to hate the world yeah. well that's what i always say I, I go to therapy because it's somebody listening to me for a full hour without checking their phone that's the reason i go oh, i'll pay the money i don't care i'll tell you what i do i gotta work this into my because i have some bits on therapy but I wrap it up half the time. 
You wrap it up pre-time? Oh, yeah. I'm staring at the clock. I'm like, you mind if we bail out? I'm done. Oh, I've I've said enough. I don't care anymore. Like, I wrap it up myself. That's got to be something dysfunctional. This is a big kind of frustrating thing for me. Like, you have an R-rated movie. Oh, no, we're seeing some boob. All right. Halloween 3, I I noticed how carefully they were covering up this girl's nipples. And it was like a very tactical move that kind of annoyed me. And then I watched the documentary, and the girl was like, I had a very strict no-nipple clause in my contract. Like, that stuff's really fascinating to me. The, uh, I, yeah, I mean, you know, I'd, I'd call you a cinephile. I've called you that before. Sure. But I'd say that's a mark of your cinephilia. <laughs> well, something ophelia for sure. <laughs> but now she, this girl's covering up again. Like, from and for my money, well, you have an R-rated movie. Make an R-rated movie. I mean, she's covering up because she There's was just about to have sex. There's a killer on the loose, and they just got what they think are corpse parts dumped on them. I just can't I help but flashback to ten-year-old me waiting up all night to see the nude scene in a movie oh god i would just i'd sit there showtime used to do a thing called after hours on saturday nights do you mean usa up all night no 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 showtime but showtime already had nudity right yeah but they had a thing called pet you know there's more details coming the story doesn't end at after hours okay uh the uh they had a thing called after hours on saturday nights and it was right around the same time snl was on Right, and they would uh, they would show like, you know, softcore porn basically. Okay. So they'd show like Lady Chatterley's Lover. <laughs> Whoa, you just blew my mind there because I have seen Lady Chatterley's Lover. Yeah, I watched that many times. Yeah, that was a, a staple of porn. Yeah. As were Emmanuel in Space and all. They wa- they showed all the Emmanuel. Sure. But there was always the originals, like the ones that were committed to film. Yeah. Something with it, maybe a John Holmes at times would pop up. Right. Anyway. Um, it would show at the same time as as as, uh, as SNL, and I had a TV in my room that you had that I had Showtime on, and I would God, I would you were lucky put one channel to SNL and the other to Showtime, and and have my finger on the fucking the the flip to the last channel button. Sure. And my dad would come in, and I'd flip it real quick, and my dad'd be like, "What are you doing? You better not be watching one of those movies." Yeah. On Showtime, and I was like, "I'm not. I'm not. Jesus, Dad." And then as soon as you'd leave, I'd flip it back. But I never masturbated to it. I would just watch it. I used to masturbate endlessly to scrambled porn, just like an American Pie. Completely scrambled to where you, you could barely see what was happening. Didn't care. Yeah. You kids don't know how lucky you have it. You really don't. I also, I don't think I've discussed this on this podcast, but I used to sneak out R-rated movies from the video store in the Tucker the Man in His Dream box. <laughs> Because yeah, I was like, nobody's ever going to rent Tucker the Man in his dream. And they uh, never did. So fi- <laughs> finally, like 20 weeks into doing this, because I would switch the barcodes, peel the two barcodes off. And I also wasn't trying to rent porn. I, I wanted to see, like, Goodfellas and shit. I couldn't see R-rated movies. So I would switch the two barcodes, and I would put Goodfellas in the Tucker the Man in his dream case and put Tucker in the Goodfellas case and hope nobody rented it and vice versa. Why would you switch the barcodes? Because they scan it. Like, it had to be completely legit. Right, but if they scanned... The barcode was on the cassette itself. Oh, okay. So, and I wanted to make sure I covered all my bases. Because in my mind, when you're that age, you're like, they're going to call the police if they find out. Yeah, When in actuality, they'd be like, 
oh, we got the wrong tape in here. Yeah. And yeah. that they'd put it on themselves. Yeah. Or so, just rent you the R-rated movie and not care. Yeah. They probably would not have cared if I wanted to do that. Right. But finally, one woman goes, boy, you really must love Tucker the Man and his dream. I was like a 12-year-old kid. And I'm like, I love cars. I can't believe you kept going back to the Tucker well. Yeah. Well, I said I love cars. It's about the Jeff Bridges and he invented sure, it. Sure, of course. Whenever. So one night. I remember I came home. My dad was sitting next to a bag of videos from Schnooks, which was the grocery store in Missouri. Sure. And I would rent six at a time on my bike and then ride home. And he had all six in this bag sitting there, and he's waiting for me. And I was like, God damn it. And this was during one of the few times where I had tried to rent some nudity, and I rented, like, Basic Instinct, I think. Right. So... And I'm probably 14 years old, and I had already seen porno at a friend's house. But he's like, I walked in the door, and as the door shuts, he goes, what's next, Patrick? What's next? (laughs) Am I going to go into your room and find the videotapes where you actually see the penis going (laughs) into the vagina? Well, he couldn't have made that any more awkward. It couldn't have been worse. And I remember, by the way... That's a verbatim quote, and I'm a thousand percent sure of that. And that's twenty twenty five years old, because uh, I remember it very well. When I was and I was like, Dad, I'm sorry. Now, when he would rent R rated movies, uh, and and I knew that he wouldn't leave the house over the weekend, I would come creeping out of my room, four a.m., bring the tape downstairs. Once he went to bed at three thirty a.m., bring the tape downstairs and watch it with my ear to the speaker. I did that for Pulp Fiction. That's the first time I saw Pulp Fiction, one of the greatest movies ever made. I watched it with my ear to the speaker, looking up with my eyeball touching the screen <laughs> because I was so terrified. And I was 14. I saw that in the uh, theater with my friend, and we yeah, enjoyed I'm, it. I'm happy for you. <laughs> Good God, Pat. It was like a prison camp scenario. It was terrible. Uh, I remember when I was 19, I was home from college. I had a... Uh, I had a porno movie called Anal Honey Pie Part 2. Bright red tape. Sure. Bright red cassette tape. Uh, I had it in my room in, like, you know, sock drawer or something. My mom goes, I come home one day. I'm home for the summer. And my mom goes, "Uh, I I hope I'm not embarrassing you. I was cleaning in your room today. I found a tape, a red tape. And I obviously know what it is. And I go, Mom, stay out of my room, you know, because I'm mortified. Yeah. She goes, I just have one question to ask you. And I was like, what? And she goes, are you gay? You Whoa. can tell me. And I was oh, like. Oh, it was called Anal Honey Pie. And I go, no, I'm not gay. I'm just, it's a porno movie. And then I told my best friend that night the story. My friend Jim, who you've met. Yeah. You've met. Love Jim. Told him that night, that, that story that night. And he goes. And we were, I remember we were really high, and he goes, you realize what you were saying to your mother was, I'm not gay, Mom. I just love watching chicks take it in the shitter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which your mom was probably very relieved by, to be honest with you. <laughs> uh, my mother, my friend, uh, I'll just say Ben. Ben A, because there, he might listen, and I want to, I don't know, I, wanna, I don't want his name out there, but he, he, one of my best friends, uh, he wrote down word for word this penthouse forum he had gotten his hands on a penthouse forum 
and he copied word for word the story for me in this yellow spiral notebook to jerk off to. Kids, do you understand how lucky you have it? I want you to step back. I'm masturbating to <laughs> something my friend copied down in a spiral notebook. So he wrote down this erotic story, and my mom did the same shit. I was cleaning your room. By the way, my mom never cleaned my room. I had to clean my room. She goes, clean your room, and I found this yellow spiral notebook. And, Pat, what's going on here? And she thought that I had written the story, and it was an original story that I had written. It was insanely she, graphic. And she must have thought, this kid's got talent. He's a little pervy, but he's well, got a gift. It was, very, it was beautifully written. <laughs> but I said, Mom, a, a friend of mine at school, and I started to say Ben and then changed the name. I go, wrote this down and gave it to me, and he was like, check out the story I wrote. I read a couple of words, and I was like, whoa, this is not for me. Right. And, you know, the pages were probably stuck together, and right. I don't know if she believed me or not, but it was a pretty good cover on the fly. And then what happened? Uh, she was very, very angry and crying and et cetera. Oh, boy. You made her cry, huh? And then it's like now, you know, like, you know, I can go out to get drinks with my mom and she gets wasted and I'll be like, ah, oh, fuck this. Or, you know, like, it's so sick. And I hope I'm not that way with the children I may or may not have, you know. I remember, I'll tell you, a double whammy. I was in high school, came home, had a tape in the VCR. I had been renting Spice. Remember Spice? Did you have that? Where uh, you live? Well, I I know what it is, but I didn't have it. I didn't for have those of you that don't know, there was you know back when you had pay per view where you had to like pay for the movie on the TV, right? Uh, on your through your cable network or whatever. Well, I guess you still kind of do that, but it was it was a different system. There was this thing called the Spice Channel, and it was porno. They'd cut out the insertion sh shots, yeah, but it was porno. I think that's what I was watching, scrambled. And uh, yeah, and I would I would lie to my mom because there was enough. There was enough in the price difference. Right. It was close enough. That was like the spice movies were like five ninety nine, the regular movies were like three ninety nine. So I could get away with like getting a couple spice movies if I carefully picked the titles of the films, you know? Yes. So I'd find ones that didn't sound too suspicious and I'd I'd rent them and then I would tape it on a videotape and then I'd masturbate to it later. Okay. And uh the shit hit the fan one day because I was, you know, I did it one day and then I left the house, came home, got caught. Ma my mom was waiting for me, had the cable bill fresh out of the mail with like $35 in spice charges on it. Plus, she found the tape in the VCR oh. and knew what I had been doing. That was a bad day. But like moms, there's no moms listening to this probably, but moms... Why would you do why like I still deal with these effects to this day of the like shock and horror my parents had with anything to do with sexuality or me being 13 and having some interest in sexuality. It's like that fucks you up for life. Well, I was more in trouble, I think, for the money aspect. <laughs> I mean, my well, mom yeah. was mad about the porn, too, that I brought it into her house right. or whatever. But like the money thing, you like, know, the perfect way to handle it is like Deanne Weiss in Parenthood. I don't know why I talk exclusively about parenthood on this horror movie podcast and D diane weist and weist but yeah she finds the bag of porno and she's like let's talk about it you know blah 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 isn't it like joaquin phoenix or something yeah it is a young joaquin phoenix young joaquin and she's like well you know i knew you must be 
interested in, in sexuality or, or filmmaking, you know, one or the other. It's a good job. So, way, here, so Ken Hanley, because I feel like we need to at least talk about Halloween for one second. <laughs> Ken posted, and it's a great post on Facebook. I'm liking it now. Fact, the three best Halloween mo- – Ken is the fang- is uh, our Fangoria guy, and you should yeah. follow him on Twitter. And he knows his shit, man. He's a, he's a horror expert. Fact, the three best Halloween movies in order are Halloween 3, Halloween, and Halloween H2O. Halloween 4 ain't bad. Halloween 2 is overrated. I agree. Halloween 6 is underrated. Halloween 5 and Halloween Resurrection are both mostly garbage, as we're sh- seeing right now. Rob Zombie's Halloween 2 is better than Rob Zombie's Halloween. I can't believe he's putting 6 over 5. I think that's ludicrous. Well, i got to watch both of those. Those are the two I haven't seen. I mean, other than other than being introduced to a young Paul Rudd in Part 6, I mean, I don't, I, I, I don't see the value in it. 6 is also the one where they, it's called The Curse of Michael Myers, and they make up this thing where, like, this is some ancient evil... Indian spirit thing. It's it's stupid. Yeah, it's yeah, stupid. It's like it. It's not. I don't know. They really go back to those ancient spirits and these things. I I own now every Friday the Thirteenth movie, and I've only seen the original and the the recent reboot. Uh, and I'm excited to go through them. They're they're fun. The original, in my opinion, is one of the worst ones. Part okay. one is one of the is one of the least exciting. Is Kevin Bacon in one? Yeah, Kevin Bacon's in it. He gets a good kill, too. Um, Have you seen Sleepaway Camp? Uh, I've never seen Sleepaway Camp. That's fantastic. And even 30 years later, I will not reveal the twist of that movie because it is so incredible. Is it a and comedy? beyond incredible for its time. It would be incredible now. I thought it was a comedy. Sleepaway Camp, uh, you know, it's got a few comedic elements, but it's it's no different than Friday the 13th. They just have an amazing twist in it. All right. And they do it in, like, a crazy way. So if you haven't seen it, see it. I just saw, uh, speaking of slasher films with Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, okay. I just watched Terror Train, enjoyed it thoroughly. Never seen it. I did see Prom Night. Is, I love Prom Night. Is Terror Train set on a train? That would be uh, why it's called Terror Train. Okay. Got to- I thought maybe they were running a train on Jamie Lee. <laughs> great, uh, great flick, man. Great All right, flick. I'll say it. Leslie Nielsen. He's in Prom Night. Leslie Nielsen. Leslie Nielsen is in Prom Night. Yeah, he is. Yeah, I don't remember who's he playing Prom Night. I don't know. I don't remember her that. date. <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, no, Terror Train. I'd highly recommend to any fan of the slasher genre or Never the Jamie Lee Curtis catalog. I just bought, because I had never seen it, and it fell off Netflix Instant, the Blob remake. Have you seen that? I love the Blob remake. I believe I own it on DVD. Yeah, shit. I should have borrowed it. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see it because I've always heard it's great. It's fun. Kevin Dillon. Introducing Kevin Dillon in that film. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, that was Johnny Drama. Yeah. E. Actually, that's not his first movie. His first movie is Heaven Help Us. Oh, yeah. Which he is tremendous in. Is Vince going to do the movie, or isn't he? I what? got this Johnny Bananas cartoon coming out with Dice. He's got the best, uh, one of the best lines and deliveries I've ever heard in a movie is the kid he picks on in Heaven Help Us, this kid Caesar. Okay. Uh, they get in trouble for a prank they pull at school, and this fat, nerdy kid Caesar goes, 
I'll never get into Harvard now. I'll be forced to go to Queens College. <laughs> and Kevin Dillon goes, you ought to fit right in at Queens College. <laughs> Not bad, Kev. <laughs> it's a nice zinger from the side. Sure. And he, and he, he just lands it, man. All right. He well, really is a master. Yeah, I, I, I like that, Kevin Dillon. But you know, you, the Blob remake is very good. Uh, I, I think it's... I think the I think it's it's one of the few um, remakes of a classic horror film that actually the the story in the original film or the original idea were serviced by the remake. Like they were able okay. to do things technically that they just never could have done in the fifties. Right. And I it can obviously Russell get more. did it. Who's like uh, Darabont's old writing partner? They did I think Dream Warriors. Love Dream Warriors. One of my favorite horror movies. For sure, is the mist. Love it. Uh, We've talked was, about it. Yeah, I was so blown away by the ending of it. And tonight, I think I'm going to go home and watch the black and white version because I have not watched it yet. And I've heard it's the preferred director's cut version. Yeah, the the black and white's great. Um, speaking of, uh, we we've been sort of talking famous horror franchises on here. Steel the other night at Best Buy. Steel. Steel, you mean I got, like I got a Michael steel. Jai White? Oh, no, no, no. I got it. Wait, but what is Steel? Not Spawn. No, no, no. I'm saying I got a Steel. Oh, is Steel the Shack superhero movie? Yes. Okay. All right. Let's move past it. Uh, I. But that's not what. I, yeah, I didn't buy Steel. Uh, by the way, this is in Halloween Four. This is like the cool part in Halloween Four. Is she has to climb out onto the roof, and then they just kind of ripped it off, half-ass regurgitated in this one. Anyway, um. What are they the doing Omen. now? They're watching this on a video feed? The Omen. All four. Original trilogy and remake on Blu-ray. I own it. Seven ninety nine. Whoa. Brand new. I own it, but I think I bought it for like 15 You can find shit like that. Tinker around Amazon. Like this thing I bought on Amazon is like six bucks, and it's The Blob, Christine, The Seventh Sign with Demi Moore, which I've never seen. You see her boobs in that. It's pretty sweet. Pre-job, uh, though, right? I don't remember if it's pre-job, but she's... I think she got the job for striptease. She's pregnant in it. Okay. But you do With see her boobs, baby. and it's still kind of hot. I think so. Yeah. Something like that. I don't All remember. Right. Um, I almost bought a Stephen King one the other night. at best. Again, at Best Buy, it was 10 bucks. It was Misery, Needful Things, Carrie, and The Dark Half. But I already own Carrie and Misery... And I didn't really care to own the dark half. And dark then, half is terrible. Needful things is barely okay. Misery is a masterpiece, and Carrie is a masterpiece. Yeah, I I wanted to get it for needful things. I thought, well, then I could sell the other DVDs, but I didn't pull the trigger on it. It's okay, and a lot of times you buy those four packs, eight packs, or whatever, and the quality is really terrible. Well, that's I I, I feel like these Omen Blu-rays are not going to be like true Blu-ray. They know they they are great because I watched them. Oh yeah, yeah. Seven ninety nine. I mean, what? That's a steal. I gotta go into Best Buy. I mean, Best Buy at this point should just be like bartering with you, like you're in India or something. <laughs> I mean, they should just be like, uh, yeah, what, what do you want for? Like, you know, like the deals. They're on going under. DVDs are amazing. All right, I'll head up there. Are they going under like in every department or just with media? Uh, like, I, I mean, yeah. I mean, I guess like, if you want a TV, although I got my TV on Amazon. You know, I think, I think. Probably for electronics, they're still doing okay. A washer dryer, that sort of thing. Some say Amazon's the devil. I I love it. I do support the sh- the physical stores. I go to Amoeba. I do too. Records once every week 
maybe every two weeks. I buy DVDs wherever I can. Yeah. Uh, but I do love Amazon as well. I mean, it, it, it comes in very handy when you can't find the thing. It's great. There. And then I, I, you know, I do feel really bad about it. But it, they're offering things. They're almost immediately to your door, and they're always so much cheaper. But we are supporting the destruction of the small business. Well, I'll tell you, you know, for one thing, it's, you know, I started, like, painting recently. Yeah. And I got the stuff on Amazon because I was able to get, like, a 15-color acrylic paint set for 8 bucks. Yeah. And I was looking in art supply stores, and a single tube was $10. Yeah. I was like, I can't. It's for some throwaway bullshit hobby I'm going to do, like just to kind of relax myself. I'm not, I'm not going to spend $300 on it. Yeah, That's going to stress me out. It's a really sad thing, you know. Like I, I eventually, well now, I mean here it's not an issue, but in Missouri I was like, fuck Walmart. You know, like my dad was like, never go to Walmart. They're they're disgraceful. They're terrible people, et cetera. So I stopped going. But Walmart was kind of the in-store Amazon of its day, you know. Like they just did everything. They get everything there at the cheapest price, and it's hard not to go. Right. But you are destroying businesses when you do it. I love a Target. I'm not going to lie. Target's great. I love Target. I'll do a Target for a lot of my... Uh, and, and, and Target, if I'm not mistaken, doesn't have... It's a little more expensive well, than Walmart, but it doesn't have any of the bad rap that Walmart has, right? No, Target has a very clean rap. Yeah. They're like the nice Walmart. By the way, this is always a sign of like a really bad horror movie is when you're in like the final ca- yeah the final moments here and Buster Rhymes is doing like a stereotypical shitty karate haya voice. Well, do you know why he did that? Because at the beginning of the movie, this is all the foreshadowing they gave you for that. At the beginning of the movie he was watching a kung fu movie oh. and in his hotel room and getting excited about it. And then in this final showdown with Michael Myers, Buster Rhymes Karate kicks Michael Myers and literally goes, hi And I think it's supposed to be, like, kind of funny. I've seen, like, a, a meme or a, a something, some sort of video of Buster Rhymes kicking open a door and going, trick or treat, motherfucker. Look, I'm a big Buster Rhymes fan. We haven't fan. gotten there yet, have we? I'm a big, big Buster Rhymes fan. Oh, his music is incredible. I, just, this, I don't approve of the movie casting of him in this. No. I'm, I like him in movies. I liked him in Higher Learning a lot. I fucking love higher learning. Yeah. And I'll still put on Wuha Got You All in check. Which, <laughs> look, when a guy's got you in check, he's got you in check. Yeah. There's nothing you can do about it. Higher learning is a very good movie. You know what? It's Singleton. Where's Singleton? Come back, baby. Yeah. I got today, speaking of Academy screeners, and that's probably what uh, your FedEx thing was on your door, I uh, got the Academy Awards screener of Furious 7. Ooh, really? And you flip it open, and it tells what they want to be considered for. Best picture, best actor, Vin Diesel. Oh, boy. Like, come on, guys. I liked Furious 7, and I'm like, come on, guys. You're, I, I you're not taking that home. I haven't seen it. I, I look forward to getting the screener. I was very excited to get the Straight Out of Compton screener the other day. Straight Out of Compton is amazing, and Furious 7 is really good. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Furious 7, it was kind of funny. I, I saw it with Pete, actually, Pete Holmes. We went up to the Vista here, and we got up, and we are like, that was really fun. And he looked around, and, like, I bet half that crowd, and I'm talking about some bros in that crowd, some dudes, had tears streaming down their face. They handled the Paul Walker shit really, really well. Does he die in the movie? 
he does. And basically they have him like driving off to heaven and they handle it kind of beautifully. And I was like, they handled that really well. But when I looked around and saw everybody crying, I thought, well, this franchise must mean more to these people than it does to me, I guess. But uh, I, look, people love that. Fr- there's a reason there's seven of them, man. And this, they are and, fun. And, and I think seven is about the best, really. That's what's so crazy to me is that they got up to seven and, and seven is considered amongst fans. It seems to be like the best one. Yeah. And five is great. You know, there's no real slip off like they they keep it pretty tight. Tokyo Drift is probably the low point, no? That's the one I didn't see. Not Nothing to do with... <laughs> I was just going to let that marinate. Disliking Asians. I will see Tokyo Drift. Well, I didn't know it had anything to do with the others. And then I was reading stuff about Seven, and they were like, this is the first one to take place after the t- events of Tokyo Drift. <laughs> yeah. I was like, they were, they were, it was, I was like, I didn't know it was that deep. All right. I went uh, this year. I was on a hiatus for my job. I got like three months off a year, which is great. And I went up to the movie theater, and they were showing all seven. It was the day the new one came out, and they were showing all seven in a row. And I was like, I'm going to do this and write like a funny article about it. I used to write articles all the time for different movie websites and stuff. But I'm going to do a funny article, get it published, you know, really do this. And as part one starts, I was like, nope. I can't do this. I can't watch seven Fast and the Furious movies. And I walked right out. Yeah, it's a 17-hour day. I'm like, I write a little funny, snarky article, and and I, I've given up 14 hours of my life. That's, that's not worth it. That, and that's not 14 hours. That's probably 16 hours. I was going to do it with Star Wars. I already got my tickets for The Force Awakens. Are they doing all seven? They're doing all seven. Oh, and it's, geez. dig this, it's The Force Awakens premieres at 7 p.m. on the December the Thursday, December seventeenth, whatever the hell it is. Right. Uh, so there, so the 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 marathon is only that day, and it leads up to that. So the marathon starts at one a.m. with Phantom Menace, oh, and no. then you, you're just there all day. And I, I I couldn't get anybody to do it with me, and I was like, you know what, this is ridiculous. I can't do this. But did you buy tickets for the new one? I have tickets for just the Force Awakens. Did you get one for me for your boy? I'm seeing it in Pennsylvania. Oh, okay. Because I'm going to be home for for work and then right into Christmas. I made fun of everyone who bought them, and then I was like, "Well, wait a minute. I don't want to wait a week to see it. I should probably buy some." I mean, if I were you, I'd hit that 10 a.m. Friday screening when everybody else is at work. Is it available? Well, I'll be at work. You're not. You're not on break yet by then. December what? 19th or whatever. Oh yeah, I'm on, I'm on break. I'll buy it. You're right. Yeah, nobody's going to be at that. Go to that. There, there's going to be screenings around the clock. You can go in the morning on Friday. Yeah, that sounds. Just I mean, don't I am really internet. excited. I I'm, almost went up. They did at the Cinerama Dome here in L.A. They had all three Back to the Futures on that Back to the Future day, and I wanted to go. But then I was like, you hit a certain age, and like, you just start to feel so stupid doing it, you know? Like, I used to be like, you know, I'd watch the whole Back to the Future trilogy on a Friday night and have the best time and drink some sodas. And now yeah. it's just kind of like you feel like such a waste of, of life if you do that. I, also, three is, you know, come on. That's a that's a half trilogy right there as far as I'm concerned. What are you saying? I'm saying one is a masterpiece, and halfway through two, three-quarters of the way through two, you, you kind of stop caring. 
Cause oh, then, and I disagree. Because then, because you, you know, th- there's my problem with the second. The second one is the whole time. Once you get to the part where they go to the fifties again, you're like, well, they're now they're just going to the fifties again. Even the makers of the film have said they didn't like that aspect of it because it was just a retread. And but I was I, like, so now we're just seeing the events of the fifties of the first movie in, in a different perspective. And I think here's trick or treat. There it is. Oh, Buster Rhymes just a trick or treat motherfucker. motherfucker. Look, I, the third I one just is watched two because eight million people were talking about it this week for the whole it was the day he went to thing. It is genius that they go back into the first movie. You've never seen that, really. No, but you haven't, but it's too n- soon to do it in the future. Two. Yeah, I agree. I completely agree. Have I told you what my layout for the third, for how it should have went, what should have been? I don't think so. This is what it should have been. The entire goddamn second fucking movie should have been in the future because we waited five years to see that. Yeah. It was so exciting at the end of the first one when he goes, when you're like, oh my God, they're going to go into the actual future now. Yeah. The whole movie should have been that. By the way, end of the. Hold on. Okay, yeah, go ahead. End of that movie should have been them going back to 1985. The camera pulls up as Marty steps into the town square and realizes Biff has taken over 1985 and it's this dystopian reality or whatever. Then part three is them trying to rectify 1985, come to terms with all that. Then they go back to the 50s. Yeah. For the second half of part three, and then then you're tying it back to the original, and then it ends. And you don't want them to ever go to the old way. No. <laughs> God almighty, no. It's fucking terrible. That fourth, I've said it a million times, that third movie to me felt like when they would do, like, the facts of life goes to Europe. <laughs> like, you know. I need so- to watch three again, because that's the one I've seen by far the least. It's terrible. I watched two this week, and I, I fucking loved it. One is a masterpiece, no question. Perfect. But three uh, is kind of a question mark for me. I need to rewatch it. Three, I loved it as a kid. Loved it. Yeah, I just, I, I just, I, I hate three. I hate it. I've I never watched... sat through it in, in its entirety. I tried a million times. I can't. Wait get a minute, through you've it. never finished it? I know it. I've seen it out of sequence, like okay. you know, and I, I know all the parts. I know everything that happens, but I've never sat through in a viewing and watched it straight through. I've do tried. They really wrap, can't do it. Do they really wrap victims of things in blankets like they do in movies? I don't know. I've never been on a murder scene. <laughs> well, Seems to only yet. be when a, there's a murder yeah. that happens. Well, no, they do it in Die Hard. I guess a lot of people do get murdered in Die Hard. Yeah, it's some sort of traumatic. Anytime there's been an explosion. I just don't see cops having a lot of blankets on hand. Well, the paramedics do that. It's not the cops. You know what? I think it's stupid. This is the best part. Buster Rhymes' description of Michael Myers here at the end. Uh, he actually, here we go. Here he's. Michael Myers is oh. not a soundbite. He's not a tie in. He's not a scandal. He's a killer well, shark in baggy ass overalls. Did you hear that? That's fucking terrible. He's a killer shark in baggy ass overalls. This was the end. This was the end of the Michael Myers legacy. This was the rap. They never made a movie after, except for Rob Zombie. Yeah, and I hate the Rob Zombie ones. Holy shit, that was terrible. That's that's the end of it. (laughs) They're doing part three now. Rob Zombie, or they're doing another Halloween. I don't know if it's going to be a. They keep. They won't say if it's like part three, 
or if it's another reboot. You know, they're fucking rebooting the Leatherface again, and they're rebooting Friday the 13th again. It's yeah. like, I d- why Whatever. reboot it? Just make a sequel. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know. I just, uh, you know. I was watching because I I'm sorry Joe but this is a back to the future podcast that we're doing not a not a horror movie podcast. <laughs> uh I was watching Back in Time which is this new Netflix documentary. How is that? I haven't watched it yet. It's very solid. There's a lot of great stuff in it. But um they they seem pretty happy with the trilogy, I would say. Like I they they don't talk shit about 2 or 3 really. No, they they seemed happy with it. They seemed happy with it. Um, okay. You know, they like that the third one is the Old West. They were like, we thought it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. My problem with the third one is it the, the focus shifts. It's not the whole point of that movie about that series to me is is the salvation of the McFly family. Right. That's the whole point of the movie. And then the third one suddenly is I, like a sweet. I got to go save Doc the hell does it have to do with anything yeah like it's like it's it's just a separate story that should be a short story in an anthology of fan Back fiction to the future. Or something. yeah exactly um it's yeah they were saying uh let me see back to the, what were we just talking about back to the future they you said they seen you were watching the documentary and they seem happy with it no i know they do seem happy with it i don't, I don't remember what i was gonna say i, I had something important Back to the future. Now, does he pop up here? There it is. His eyes open at the very end. He's still alive, which is just stupid. Oh, I know what it was. Yeah. So did you see Back to the Future 1 in theaters in 1985? I mean, yeah, my parents took me, and I was traumatized because I only knew Michael J. Fox from Family Ties, Family Ties and that's why they took me to see it. Right. And I loved him so much, and to see him being, to see him swearing was traumatic for me. Oh, wow. Because I was in, like, second grade. I, it upset me very much. <laughs> but I love the movie. I love the yeah, movie. Sure. Um, They were basically saying, which kind of blew my mind, is that when it first aired in theaters, and I would have been four, I did not see it in theaters, uh, that they did not have the to be continued at the end of it. Really? That, that was added for the VHS release. No, it said it, I saw it in the theater. It said to be continued. No, it's, it's in the documentary. They 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 didn't have it in there, and well, if it didn't in between one and two, VHS came to came to light, and they put that on because they knew they were going to make the uh, the sequel. I can tell you this: if that wasn't in there, it was glaringly obvious. It was implied that there was going to be a sequel. We, well, my parents and I left going, "I can't wait to see the next one." Oh, okay. Well, now because. They didn't have a whole lot of faith in it, it didn't seem like, and they're talking to Bob Gale, who co-wrote it with Zemeckis in the movie, and he's like, oh yeah, nobody knew, and he's like, we just thought they were heading off to the next adventure, but we never thought there was going to be a sequel. Yeah, well, it was five years later, and then they did parts two and three together. Yeah, like Lord of the Rings style. And, uh, which I had never heard of at that time. I think that was one of the first movies to ever do that. There's also, and they go into this in the documentary, because I remember this vividly, is that Zemeckis talked in like a a uh, press kit type thing about how the hoverboards were real. Yes. And there was like a, I think it was on TV, like probably after, you know, probably after the fucking facts of life or whatever. But uh, Zemeckis is saying, 
hoverboards are real, and we just haven't quite released them to the market yet. He's like, fucking with kids, like having a little fun. Yeah. But they talked about how there's this whole generation of kids who's like, let me see these hoverboards. Yeah, and I remember And they are that. trying to make them. And they had this guy going in like a half pipe, and it wasn't as far off the ground, but they were off the ground. They're, yeah. They are trying to make them. Yeah, no, I know. Did you see the sketch on Kimmel where they show up? I waited the whole night to watch it and then forgot. It was great. Yeah. All right, I'll watch it on. on yeah, he's doing his monologue. He's talking about how he's like, today's the day that they go to and Back to the Future too, and yeah. then the time machine shows up and Doc and Marty get out and they do a, just a little bit. It's a pretty long bit and it's a very actually very funny. And, How's Jerry uh, Fox doing? He's great. It was great. Okay. And th- the whole thing was uh, them being like, "You must have hoverboards here," and you know, and Jimmy Kimmel like, "No, no, <laughs> like just." That was the gag. Like, oh, no, we I don't have you. any of that stuff. Right, right. That's good. And, uh, you know, at one point, Marty's like, Doc, 2000, the future sucks. This is <laughs> terrible. Yeah. Um, it was funny. Anyway. Folks, I'm happy we were able to bring you this special Halloween edition. I think... <laughs> I think we even <laughs> talked about Leprechaun more than we just talked about Halloween <laughs> Resurrection. And I'm sorry. But some weeks you just don't give a shit about the movie. All right? And I hope you just like us. This just a couple a, of men. This was a tough Even one. though Joe is anti-Semitic and racist and hates women, <laughs> I hope you come back for me and my quips. I mean, where are they getting these things? It's just terrible. Ugh. And please, I'm not kidding. If you if you're listening, we we heard what our fan total is, what our listener total is. It's really good, and thank you all so much yeah, for listening. Thank you guys. Ken told us we're doing really good numbers. Thank you. If you know, if a couple of you go and pop us off of five stars, we'd be sitting pretty. Yeah, guys, we'd appreciate that. We would appreciate. And we'll keep it. bringing you the goods here on "We'll See You in Hell." Presentation of the Fangoria Podcast Network, produced by Thomas DeFeo, executive produced by Ken Hanley of Fangoria Entertainment for press opportunities, advertising inquiries, and information about We'll See You in Hell. Contact Ken via his email, ken at fangoria.com. Thank you, everybody. Thanks, everyone. And what I want to say each week and haven't, I only answered somebody on Twitter about this, is that the opening song is written and performed by one Joe DeRosa. People love it. Very nice, Pat. Thank you very much. People should know. All right. Happy Halloween. Be safe. Don't eat uh, any candy with razor blades in it.